I'm Tobin Heath, two-time World Cup winner. And I'm Kristen Press, two-time World Cup winner. And this is The Recap Show. This is the first time we'll be watching the World Cup in over a decade. We know we're not alone with how we feel about the way people talk about women's sports. We want to be part of the solution. Having been there many times before ourselves, Tobin and I are going to bring to you what it's like to play in a World Cup, what's really happening behind the scenes, all the good juicy bits. The Recap Show will bring you gal culture at its finest. We all know what bro culture is, but what is gal culture? We're here to define it. This is our narrative, our culture, and we get to tell it our way. Welcome to the recap. Welcome to the show. LFG. Welcome to episode six of the recap show. Thanks to everyone who continues to watch and support the show. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe today. Now let's start with the sports. The semifinals are here and four teams remain. At this stage, it's anyone's game. The question is, who wants it the most? The World Cup is heating up, and so is the recap show. Today, Kristen and I are joined by captain of the New Zealand national team and Angel City FC, Ali Riley, as well as English international and Arsenal center back, Leah Williamson. But first, Tobin's top things. The one sure thing. This World Cup has been full of surprises, but one thing's for sure a first-time champion will be crowned. The prediction thing. In one of the most unpredictable World Cups, I predicted the Japan-Sweden score. Who could have predicted that? Well, me. The vacation thing. Everyone is wondering what island the eliminated players go to post-World Cup. Well, ours go to the tropical, exhausting island of the NWSL. The TikTok thing. A user on TikTok, Jackie J, really liked my Where Are the Gays video and backed it up with some pretty cold facts. Jackie J, I liked your video too. The Miyazawa thing. If Japan's star player, number seven, Miyazawa, isn't a household name already, she will be and she should be. The Taylor Swift thing. So I've thought about this a lot. Not only did the US Women's Sash team miss out on their third consecutive World Cup, but maybe even more importantly, they missed out on going on stage with Taylor Swift on the Eras tour. It's a cruel summer. Today's daily discussion is sponsored by our new favorite tequila, Superbird, because stories start with Superbird. And what better way to celebrate this World Cup than talking about the four extraordinary teams that were just eliminated? I think we would be remiss not to talk about their amazing achievements throughout this tournament. Okay, let's cheers to the four teams cheers that to them. were eliminated in the quarterfinals. Japan, the Netherlands, Colombia, and France. Well done. Good tournament. Okay, let's start with, oh, everybody's favorite team, the most loved team at the World Cup. I already know it. Japan. Japan. Um, so loved. So much fun to watch. So much passion. So much technique. Um, so much respect for their fans. I love how they look at their fans, how they bow to their fans, how they celebrate with their fans. And I love how respectful their fans are to the game, known for cleaning up the stadiums. Uh, so much passion, so much heart. I think everyone was a little heartbroken when they lost because we just wanted more games with Japan. Yeah, um, I'm heartbroken to see them leave as well, but I think they're a team that's worth celebrating. And they're also a pretty young team, so it's going to be exciting to see what the future is for them. Yep. Cheers to Japan. Cheers to Japan. Uh, what about the Netherlands? Yeah, the Netherlands, I feel like their tournament had kind of run its course. The soccer gods 
you know, they can be fickle, right?、Mm -hmm. But they also can look at a totality of a body of work. And when Vandergaard,、um, when she did that handball, I, I was like, this is so unfair. Yeah. To have them kind of lose that match because of that moment. But then the redeeming moment of her then scoring、uh, was spectacular. And that's when I kind of applauded the, the football gods because even though I think the fate was that the Netherlands would leave that, the tournament that way,、um, I didn't,、um, I was happy that that didn't fall, that wouldn't be. Her last World Cup.、Moment. Yeah, you, I mean, I was full heartedly rooting for Spain. And at, in that moment when she had that handball, you flipped. And when she scored,、uh, you stood up and celebrated because you just didn't want that to be her last, her yeah, last match. Yeah, I mean, a, a phenomenal <laughs> career.、Yeah. Um, and just、uh, that should be celebrated. So, so cheers to her.、Uh, cheers to, to the Dutch who. Honestly, in world tournaments, are, they they sh they're, they're really showing up. And I think that's, that's a testament to, to them and, and their players. Well, cheers. Cheers to them.、Um, what about France? France. I mean, it's a team that every single tournament, you always say, great players, they have a chance to win it. I thought they played really well all tournament. I think they have a lot to be proud of. I think Diani, she really emerged as kind of a figure and a leader for that team, you know, with some absences on that team. It was interesting who was going to step up, right?、Um, she stepped up, I think, with the insertion of their new coach. It looked like a team that wanted to play together,、uh, which was exciting. There was this one moment in, in their match where Uh, their defender actually made this incredible save on the goal line. Do you remember that?、Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I think it was Fowler who、yeah. had, had the shot, and she made this incredible save. And, you know, in typical French fashion,、uh, you know, I played in France, so, so I understand this really well. She got up and was like, Allez, you know? <laughs> and, and it's this look where she's like, Come on. Like, I. Like, why did I just have to do that, right? And I <laughs>、yeah. think, as an American, kind of like the evolution, I feel like, of that team, and I've always felt this way, is if they could have, instead of been upset over that moment, really celebrated it and used it to、mm -hmm. like kick up a notch,、mm -hmm. right?、Um, and I think if the French could change those moments, As a collective into something that supercharges them, I think they're a force. Every single tournament, I think they're a force. They、And、certainly have enough talent. I think、yeah. they should be celebrated for their tournament. I thought they played extremely well.、Uh, and I think that penalty shootout is one that <sighs> I think will be remembered.、Oof. I mean, a big call to have to change up the goalkeeper. And I think she did phenomenal. And I also think it, when I watched that, When I watched that PK shootout, I, I guess we're like so into these PK shootouts, right? When I watched that PK shootout, which was, I think it's the longest PK shootout in World Cup history, I said to myself, like, wow, this, these are moments where in a second you say to yourself, could Australia win the World Cup? Oh, you think things are falling their way? When, when that French keeper got both hands to the ball and somehow、mm -hmm. it still went in, and she、I、was、know. like, what the heck? Like, yeah. I just saved that, right? And it still went in. That's when you kind of think to yourself, oh, the universe has a plan. The universe the host, is powerful. The host country goes on. Yeah. Okay. And our last team、uh, that was eliminated is Colombia. And oh, oh my gosh, did they have a tournament?、Um, cheers, Colombia. Cheers to Colombia. So much fun to watch. I think they were so brave. 
They stood up to world powers. Yep. They did not play like the underdog. Yeah. They did not sit back. They did not try to just withhold um, and withstand dominance. They came out and played as if they deserved to be there. They so deserved to be there. Um, and I think for for South America, this whole tournament, we've shown, we've seen so much growth. And I think if we can continue to see that type of evolution, the ceiling for the global game is just lifted. So phenomenal tournament, phenomenal players. I mean, the bravery of that team, extraordinary. They had me rooting for them every step of the way. Oh my life. gosh, and the fans. Oh, and the Colombian fans. <laughs> I mean, where were they? Where did they come honestly, from? <laughs> I think Australian fans should take a page out of the Colombian fans' book because you would have thought so that Colombia was hosting the World Cup. Their fans were spectacular. Fantastic. And see how much it see how much it means. All right. Cheers to them and yeah. to the semifinal now. <laughs> to the semifinal. Off we go. Off we go. The semifinals are upon us. Woo! Um, things are getting really exciting here at the World Cup. And let's talk about these matchups. Let's talk about what Tobin Heath sees happening next. Um, so let's start with Sweden versus Spain. Yeah. Look, the, the semifinals, this is really exciting. At this point, all of the coaches know their players, right? They know kind of the players that they're going to, that are in form, that are playing well. They know the way they want to play. This is the most, um, the most kind of consistent part of the tournament mm -hmm. is everything's kind of solidified and now it's just performance and it's coming down to the really, really fine margins uh, in, in all of these games. We just saw that in the quarterfinals as well um, and the semifinals, I, I don't expect any different. Uh, what what matchup did you ask about? Sweden, Spain. Sweden versus Spain. Again, it, it's interesting because Sweden just came off this actually exceptional win against Japan. They played really well. I I had a, a little bit of criticism. Uh, I thought against the U.S. they actually didn't have a good game, but they came out and really executed against Japan. It was really nice to see. I think Sweden has to keep doing what they're doing well. Uh, and and try to get a couple open open play goals. That that's the one kind of criticism I would have for them is they've been very dependent on set pieces. Uh, I think that Blackstinius will overwhelm Paredes. She's just one of those insatiable forwards that keeps going, um, never stops ru running, is always positive, always opportunistic, and I can see her getting on the score sheet in an open play goal. Um, through a mistake in in Spain's back line, who has looked, you know, shaky. a little shaky, mm -hmm. and it's interesting because again, when they played against Japan and lost a lot, what Spain did was they had so much possession, which all of us were kind of a little shocked about, right? Um, but they weren't effective, and it also caused them to be very susceptible on the counterattack. So part of they're then like kind of the way they fixed that is they became like a little bit more direct, which actually made their attack a little less effective. They didn't look like they were able to get in their perfect shape and their crosses were a little off. Their finishing wasn't there. Um, and what I would love to see and is like, I want them to overwhelm Sweden with the ball. I think it's what Japan didn't do. I think Japan went too direct mm -hmm. on Sweden, which um, is I don't think that's the way to be effective against against Sweden. And I would like to see Spain overwhelm them with the ball, and I would love to see them finish their chance, chances. Um, it will be interesting to see which which kind of way he goes, whether he goes go Gonzalez up top or, or Hermosa up top, because that changes the dynamic 
of how they attack and, and how they're able to control the midfield. Yeah, I think it's interesting because uh, Japan conceded a lot of possession this tournament compared to how we normally see them. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't necessarily the right move against Sweden. You can't like beat somebody at their own game. Um, and now you have Spain, which is somewhat similar um, mm -hmm. in a dynamic, but now they have kind of seen the model of like what does and doesn't work. I think for me, Spain, if they convert, um, they're extremely yes. dangerous. And yes. I think that they are clinical, but we've seen that go up and down during the tournament. And if they want to win a semifinal, they have to show up. Therefore, just have to put the ball in the back of the net. Yes. I do think, I do expect them to create chances. So it's just about if they can be efficient with those because you know Sweden will. Yes. Um, and then I think it's you, interesting. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, you talked about, um, like we just talked about kind of like the footballing aspects, but I think it's interesting to get into the psychology of these two teams yep. and what's going on. And you made some great points about uh, Sweden. Yeah, so Sweden, um, and you know, we've seen them at every major tournament kind of in the last, you know, this whole generation has like carried this spirit that I think is very unique. Um, and when they started in this tournament, they were a little bit quieter, but you see as they started to win, this team I think is the most together of all the teams. Yeah. You see them when they're subbing off, Everyone's making eye contact, yeah. cheering each other on, hugs like the best body language. Great goal celebrations. Great, huge yep. goal celebrations in the locker room. This togetherness. Obviously, I know so many players on the Sweden team, and they have the personalities of like fully celebrating each other in yep. this beautiful way. And I think, like, looking at the body language of the four remaining teams, they're far and away like the most confident, the most together team. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've noticed even like the coach almost feels like he's almost kind of like let go. Like I've taken you this far, type thing, and has kind of just been like, go, just yep. go win the, go win it. And I think that's pretty special. I think it shows to how prepared they are. I will say that they're a little tactically inflexible, mm -hmm. um, which could be interesting in this game against a team like Spain that has shown uh, tactical flexibility uh, to see if maybe something's thrown their way. I will say if if Spain wants to take a page actually out of uh, the U.S. Women's Dash teams playbook in how they played against mm -hmm. um, Sweden, I think it could help them, especially with getting out of Sweden's press that is effective, but I'd say like at this point is pretty predictable. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think juxtaposing that against Spain, yeah. they obviously have a very interesting perspective and dynamic coming into this tournament um, that it's just been really like confusing, I think, to watch from afar yeah. and understand what these players are going through. Obviously, we had 15 players earlier this year um, sign a letter that they did not want to play for this coach. Um, and the federation said, too bad, this is the coach, um, yeah. and like get on board or get off board. So now you've got this mix of some of their most important players have now come back into the squad, mm -hmm. and then there's all these new players that mm -hmm. kind of took the place of the traditional 11. Um, yeah. And so you've got this weird dynamic. And when I'm looking at the energy, um, I see I see so much pride in mm, Spain. Mm -hmm. I saw so many tears from my friends on the yeah. on the Spanish side. It after looked the complicated, game. though, right? It did look complicated. Yeah, and I think for us as fans, it's a little bit complicated too. I think uh, Spain is another team that's loved in football in terms of the way they yeah. play and the yeah. way that they've developed another part of what was missing. I think in the women's game, and but it's complicated, right? I think somebody said to me, "I don't feel good rooting for Spain." Because I don't want that coach to be successful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we look at those players. We have friends on those te that team. And we say, well, we want them to be successful. So you feel like a little conflicted. How, 
how would you describe it? Yeah, no, I think that like the hope is that the more success the team has, the bigger voice and mm. the more respect that they get from their country. From my perspective, um, I think that they deal with a lot of sexism in Spain. Mm. I think that um, in the course of you know our careers, um, it has gone from a federation that had absolutely no regard for their women's program, yes. uh, just like none. And, you know, they didn't even qualify for World Cups. They weren't even there, right? Mm -hmm. And now they're winning Boulogne d'Ors and they have established a league that can compete yeah. in Champions League. It's just transformed so quickly. And what I was hearing from the players is that, the, is that their club experience is transforming, but their national team experience wasn't. Mm. And that's an interesting thing, because mm. we've always had the reverse here in the US where the national team set the precedent. Yeah. Um, but I think ultimately, I will always root for the players on the field. Yes. And I will hope that their success, their greatness, their beautiful performances, their goals, I hope the whole country can get behind them. And I hope that um, it will help them get a voice, you know, and that's sort of what you want to celebrate in sport yeah. is this idea that you can like play for these, like these changes. Yeah. Um, they shouldn't have to. Yep. They should be heard and listened to and respected the first time that they say something. Yes. If someone's talking about an, like an un- unfriendly, unhealthy environment. Yes. Like, I don't yeah. need to hear anything more. I mean, we spoke about this on a past episode with, with you and Abby D, and there is no place for abuse in, in women's football, any kind of it. There's no place for it. Um, I think because of the historical discrimination that's been brought into our sport, it seems like it's really steeped in, in our culture, and there's no place for it. Um, and the problem now is that does success, does that take away the abuse? It doesn't. Mm -mm. And we, we spoke about this with you and Abby D saying like you were both on successful teams, both individually successful in abusive situations, and it's not okay. Winning does not make abuse okay. Yeah. And I wish that these players win so they get the platforms and the ability um, to really change the culture and the narrative that's going on there because they all deserve better. And I think it's important to say, like, we're with the players that decided not to play in the World Cup. That is so hard. Um, yeah. And people who had to put their personal well-being um, and their value system above playing in what's likely Gosh. Their, their dream. Gosh. And we're also with the players that decided to stay and complicate yep. and uh, fight for a World Cup and fight for change from the inside. Like, there's no wrong decision here from the players. Totally. Um, and it's a horrible position to be in. And I think when I see how much pride these players have being in their first semifinal, how complicated it is, all those tears, knowing that their play has driven the sport forward and, yeah. and driven the respect for women in their country in such a profound way. Um, I... I you know, there, it's a really, really hard thing to, to process and to understand. And we're, yeah. we're with the players. We're, we're rooting for them. I'm on uh, Team Spain all the way. Team so Jenny all the way. Team Jenny all the way. <laughs> um, but I think I think the, that this is going to be a big test against Sweden. Um, want to talk about the Yeah, I want to talk matchup? about the next one. Um, so we have England-Australia, which um, this is another look it's the semifinals yeah. and these are i said i said at the beginning of this tournament that this You're right. this tournament is about prestige and power um, and australia i i did say that i truly believe that being a host country was going to help them it, it's interesting though because you're talking about a, a country in australia like a great sporting country right great athletes i think that the a lot of the australian players now being over in europe 
has really given them a different dynamic. I think Tony Gustafsson coming in as coach um, of this team has really given them a winning spirit, a belief. You can tell that they're playing for him. You can tell they really believe in what he's saying. They're really buying into that. Uh, and the results are showing. And there's a couple performances in general that I think are players are stepping up. In, in a pool that's not very deep, I think they're getting the most out of their players right now. Mm-hmm. And what about Sam co- coming back in, Sam Kerr? I mean, isn't this just like a bonus now? <laughs> I mean, at this point, Australia has shown they, they can win without their best player. And actually, this whole tournament, this tournament isn't about stars. I, I, I can't pick out one player that single-handedly is winning games, which in tournaments past, you can – there's these individual stars that kind of emerge. We haven't seen that. And I mean, probably because a lot of stars are sitting at home that are injured that we would have expected in this. And but a lot this of is top a tournament. teams are at home now. And a lot so. of top teams are at home. So a lot of good players at home. But, yeah. but I think this is a tournament that has proven to be about a team. And Australia is proving to be quite the team. And I think coming off, we always say, be careful of your highs in the tournament of the World Cup. So true. Be careful of your highs. And Australia just had a big high in winning that um, that PK shootout. Yeah. So, uh, but England, this is this is interesting. You know, they just won a big tournament. I'm. I think there's a question mark over England still in their performances, which is weird. I think Serena gives them that X factor. You know, everybody, the every. All of the players speak so highly of her. They have Kira back. I think she's not 100%, and she's asked to do a lot as, as a single pivot. I, I don't know. I think I give a little bit more support to her um, in the midfield. Get her – don't make it so dependent on her. Maybe, mm-hmm. like, drop down – like, maybe bring in Katie Zom. You know, I love my, my Zell. Um, <laughs> Your skipper? To, yeah, my skipper <laughs> to help build out, to help give, like, a, like some more short feet, put Stanway in the 10. I think – I think bringing Toon off the bench, I think she's going to bring a big lift um, and allow her to get get a little bit more freedom. I feel like she feels a little stuck. I don't see that creativity. Um, but England, look, any team that has just won a major tournament, they, they have belief. I'm looking at them. They're not celebrating. They know they can play better. They, they know that they should be where they are, mm-hmm. which is different for them, right? Mm-hmm. But they've never gone past a semifinal in a World Cup. This is a massive kind of weight on their back that they could they could change. Yeah, and I think like it's interesting because they have a comeback win, right? Um, and you think that that shows like great resilience, great experience. They they were the better team. They deserve to to be for me. They deserve to be in the final. They're one of the top two teams in this tournament. Yeah. But yet I didn't get that feeling when I was watching. The vibe. Them. You didn't get the vibe. I didn't get the vibe that yeah. they were like. I don't know, riding their momentum in, in a good way. And yeah. I can juxtapose that against their Euro win where I was like, oh my Such gosh, this team is like feeling themselves. They're celebrating. They mm-hmm. were like so hot. And I don't have that same feeling. Yeah. And I think the beautiful thing about football and why I refuse to ever make predictions is that can change in a second, right? Yeah. And you bringing up a good point about the vibe. I mean, they were the hosts in, in the Euros and they're actually about to play the hosts yep. in this World Cup. Yep. And how much will that play into it? Are they ready for that? And we could, you know, have a lot of yellow in the final. Uh-oh. Early prediction. It's not Act 3 yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. 
Hi everyone, we've been overwhelmed and overjoyed by all of your support of The Recap Show. When Tobin and I sat down and began discussing building a media division for our business with the mission to reimagine the way women are seen and experienced in sports, we couldn't have imagined how much fun this would be. To say thank you to the hundreds of thousands of you watching, listening, and supporting this show, we are offering you a special discount to shop our World Cup-inspired collection. 20% off the Ridden in the Stars collection with code Ridden in the Stars 20. At Re-Inc, intentionality and integrity are at the heart of all that we do. Each piece of our gender-free clothing line has been thoughtfully made in the U.S. at a women-owned factory with 100% organic cotton. So head to re-website.com and use code Ridden in the Stars 20 for 20% off our World Cup-inspired collection. Thanks for all the continued support. Now let's get back to the show. Welcome, Leah Williamson. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, England captain, my friend, former teammate of the Arsenal. Thanks so much for coming on. I had the awesome opportunity of playing in England for two seasons before the iconic Euro win. How do you think the landscape of women's football in your country has changed the most because of this? It's night and day, right? It's, yeah, it's almost hard to remember what it was like before for me. Um, <laughs> like when I, when I look at even going to games, I'm like, this is, and you know, like, you know what it feels like, this is what we should have always had. Like we feel like we fully deserve this and it's the right time. So I expect nothing less than, than now what the atmosphere is. But yeah, you're, I'm talking, I, w I wouldn't accept anything less than like 40,000 for a home game as being at the Emirates. like a yeah like a normal game the the respect level it's it's everything's just changed so much it's astonishing i mean the you know having played with a lot of the players now that on the team that you know we're so young that we're getting i remember when i was at united when Les and tune they were getting like their first call ups i remember giving them a big hug and saying good luck in camp yeah. for the yeah. first call up and you know and then seeing them on the the world stage um and then you know going back and experience just the the change in the league the exposure um and i referenced that the the infrastructure is there for you all to scale quickly which is scary right i want to get to kind of the the current team um you led that team um through the the tournament what what do you think makes this this Lioness team so special? I think ultimately now you've taken that barrier of winning away. Whether or not you want to say it's there or not, maybe you're conscious of it being there or not. We were always a team that never couldn't, well, we couldn't go over the line. And I know we've never done that in a, in a World Cup. So it's basically the same situation. You know, we've, we've got to go places that we've never been before. I say we. Um, but I think the, the current group of players, like it's, they're just a really humble group where they've stayed quiet they've gone under the radar they just do their job like no matter what they'll just do their job and sometimes yeah. in a tournament you you compare to the euros and people are talking about performances now and back to then i'm like in the euros we had like loads of flair and loads of really good exciting moments happening but winning this way is just as important and yeah. being so resilient like if you look at the teams that have gone out what well, we're still here and we're still there for a reason i just think it's that really like humble attitude of like we have no right to anything we're just gonna give it 
our best kind of thing. Does that make sense? I don't know. Yeah, no, I think this humbling is a good word for this tournament in general. Uh, I think yeah. we were interesting when there was like a really big shakeup where we thought, you know, one side of the bracket, which is, is where England was going to be, was going to be this really tough road to the final uh getting through at the time we thought germany in the quarterfinal um and then everything kind of like shook up and and it is what it is now um but you're right there is this idea that once you win you know how to win and yeah. this team now you know has won a major tournament is in the semifinal of another tournament and they know how to win so i think there's a humility in the process and i think in in the performances but they know how to win now. Yeah. Um, do you think it's something that that the team thinks about going into this this semifinal, having never um, obviously gone further? Um, is that something that weighs on them? And and what do you think is needed to beat the host country of Australia? Because before you guys were the hosts, which is kind of interesting, and now you're going to be playing the host. What do you think is is kind of that extra? If you're in the locker room, if you're doing your thing like what are you telling the girls for for this matchup yeah I think the the mentality that we always have in that well from my experience of being in that team and it could be the same now like who knows but you get to a final then you think about like winning a tournament but to get to a final is you can't do that without being there I know it sounds stupid because that's that's just the way it is but yeah. until you're in that game you can't compete for that trophy you're just another team that's going to go home at some point mm -hmm. so I think in their mind, I'd just literally be focused on like another game, another win. I just think it was it's probably the best preparation against Colombia in terms of the booing and they were really loud, really yeah, loud fans, fans like were, very hostile. Colombian fans were, are amazing. Yeah, um, and they were so, so hostile towards the English. So that's interesting that they've already had that. Um, and I think the girls have got something to prove. Like they're the only team that have beaten England since Serena took over Australia. So it's like... Okay, oh, let's interesting. Go. That's it. You just yeah. dropped a fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're the only team. They're the only team that have beaten us. Okay. In the last, well, since twenty twenty one. Wow. Uh, when Serena took over. So yeah, you've got you've got like their history. They hate us. Then us having a bit of a point to prove. I'd literally just drawn all those emotions. Like they're, despite it being a home crowd for them, I think there's a lot of pressure. People are even talking about us being the underdogs. So. Fair enough. Like, let's roll with that. Yeah, and and what's it what's it been like for you? Obviously, being on the outskirts, um, having a a major injury. You, Beth, were key figures, obviously, in 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 that team. I still feel like I when I look out on that field, like I I see I still see you out on that field uh, with those balls. <laughs> Uh, I, I truly believe that, that when Serena made you captain, it was one of the best decisions she could have ever made because you have this, this factor that is, you know, you're a great footballer, but even more so, like you're a leader who um, says, I, I don't want to lead, uh, but you have all the characteristics to lead. Uh, <laughs> and, and I really thought that uh, when, when I saw, saw that uh, you weren't going to be able to participate in the tournament obviously it sucked um and it was completely heartbroken but i wondered in that moment would there be enough would this team have have enough um and they're proving to to still have enough to get to a semi-final so 
how yeah. how does how does that feel? Are you are you kind of are you a proud mom? Are you? Are you... <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm proud. When I look, I'm proud of like the environment that's been created there, and obviously, I know that I'll have played a part in that, um, however small or large that be. But also, I I feel so, I, it's weird. It's like I'm watching. I am like I am technically a parent. I'm in the friends and family. I'm, it has nothing to do with me. Um, like it, you know, if they win, it will have absolutely nothing to do with me. It's that group of players that have found a way. That's have not I true. Have I, I contributed I to the it. environment? Maybe and beforehand, but it's it's their thing, and I'm just I'm so proud. Like when I look, I realize how much I actually love them as well because awesome. I'm so proud of them, and I want I want them to win. Like I said before the tournament, I'd give my ACL if it meant winning. And I don't think they need it. So that's, <laughs> that's great. That's great news. <laughs> um, there has been like a little bit of criticism on like just the performances. Obviously, the results are totally there. Uh, but the performances, mm -hmm. what do you think is that last like little click? And And honestly, it doesn't have to happen. They could just win a World Cup, right? It's not like we have to be dazzled. The only thing people remember is is the World Cup. So do you think there is a little bit of just like one final like tweak that has to happen? I think now I would I would love to see like more goals, you know, like a real a team where it looks like every time we go forward, we're going to score. But the resilience, like you said, I think our like stability as a team and what how we've adapted and we've lost players and all of this throughout the tournament how rock solid we are it fills me with the mm -hmm. okay let's go and win but the yeah I, 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 want, I just want to see them being closer together a bit higher up and figuring yep. out with a change of formation you know what it's like it's it's kind of hard to do I go forward am I back in that moment and I just yeah. think as as the stakes get higher I'm so excited for them to play Australia and arguably like the toughest toughest test because I think it'll bring out the best and in our girls as well and I know um I know they're sort of on fire waiting yeah and and I do believe it's one of those games you beat the host in a semi-final you get a major lift going into yeah. a final yeah um, yeah but I don't want to keep you and um I really appreciate you jumping on it's going to be a massive game we're really really excited about it best of luck we can't wait to uh see you back on the pitch uh doing your thing and um Thank it will you. be a scary day for all of us in international football once um once you come back that's that was very kind actually that's left me with a smile thank you very much element is a great tasting electrolyte drink no sugar no artificial ingredients element is used by professional athletes but it's great for any person that cares about optimizing their health as pro athletes, we get sent a lot of free stuff. Now this is your chance to be like a pro athlete as Element is offering a free sample pack with any Element order to the Recap Show audience. That's eight single serve packets free with any Element order. This is a great way to try all eight flavors or share a packet of Element with a friend. Get yours today at drinkelement.com recap. And remember, this deal is only available through my link. So go to D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash recap and the best part is element offers a no question asked refund try it totally risk-free if you don't like it share it with a friend and element will give you your money back you have nothing to lose and electrolytes to gain big thanks to element and now back to the show 
as promised, we're here with the one and only Allie Briley. Yay! Welcome, Allie. Thank you. I like my cheeks hurt all I'm <laughs> smiling. We're just getting started. This is going to be fun then. I missed you too. Um, and now Kristen is going to read your amazing bio. Oh. Alexandra Lowe Riley is one of the most beloved football players in the world today. She is the captain of the New Zealand national team and Angel City FC, my team, and the NWSL. From 2006 to 2009, Allie played for Stanford University with me and captained the team to two NCAA semifinals and an NCAA finals appearance. In 2010, she began, she began her professional club career playing for teams including the Western New York Flash, Malma, Chelsea, Bayern Munich, and Orlando Pride, and she's currently with Angel City. Allie has played in four Olympic Games and five World Cups for New wow. Zealand, which is just incredible. <laughs> this year, while playing host to the World Cup, Allie captained the New Zealand team to their first ever World Cup victory with a thrilling 1-0 group stage win over Norway. And to top it all off, she's also a published author with her new book, Girls Gone Veg, plant-based recipes by athletes for everyone, available everywhere. She's charming, she is talented, and we are so lucky to have her on the recap show. Welcome, Allie! <laughs> I think I should leave, like it's all downhill from here. Absolutely Thank not. You. Oh my gosh, there's some throwbacks in there. I got the full name, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. Yeah. We have a lot of throwbacks. I okay. feel like we go way back. I, we really I, we do. are part of the same generations. You, you guys went to school together. Um, Pally Blues. Pally Blues was a big one. Um, I so I have this story when I realized that Allie Riley was different. Uh oh, <laughs> it's not the jacuzzi story. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna hold the jacuzzi okay. story. No we jacuzzi did. story. Sorry, <laughs> sorry about that. So, so we played on this semi-pro team, which I don't even know if this is a thing anymore. But we were in college. We all didn't really know each other. We played on the semi-pro team. And we were hanging out um, one day, and I don't know how this ended up happening, but you were like, hey, um, you want to come over? And I think I slept over, and you're, you were like, in the morning, you were like, oh, we're going to, my family's going to go for a jog. And I was like, oh, and you, I was like, I didn't really bring running shoes, but, you know, it's like her parents and her, so I was thinking to myself, like, okay, so... I have some slip-on vans. How far <laughs> could we be going, right? It's just a job. We did like a freaking marathon. <laughs> okay. And that's when I was I'm like, the Rileys, the Rileys are built different, folks. I mean, we looked at her career, the amount of miles that you put in, the amount of miles that you're going to continue to put in. And I, I mean, there's no, there's no stopping you. I, I knew right then and there, you all were special. <laughs> okay, first of all. It was the 4th of July 5K. That, you did a 5K? Well, oh, no, and you told her yes, before yes, that it was no, a 5K. I wouldn't even you. know the distance of a 5K. <laughs> you were schlepping, like, from the South Bay to the Palisades. So I said you could stay at our house instead of having to, you know, drive so far because we had training the next day. But I was right, like, that's what happened. But we've signed up to run this race. And you say, well, I want to run it. 
and you had like slip me. on vans <laughs> and you chose to run and I was like I will cancel it like I'll hang out with you and you're like no absolutely so you kind of like started it and then you're like I'll see you I mean, at the end but and I, I went to all the brunches even if I even if I knew I feel like 5k it sounds really short and at that time I probably didn't know the distance but also like I assumed it would be really slow paced Oh no, we we play to win. You guys, <laughs> we need like the three gold medals in all the age groups. You guys, oh run. my yeah. gosh, yeah, Too that fun. that was my first introduction to, <laughs> to Ali Riley and and her family. Lots of blisters. <laughs> <laughs> I was willing to step out of the race to hang out with you, but you insisted. So I think this story is, it tells more about you. Actually. <laughs> oh, well, I didn't really think Flipped when I, it right when on I thought head. about the story, I didn't think it was going to flip back on me. Okay, well, this is amazing. You are our first guest that was actually at the World Cup. We have been here this yeah. whole time sitting on this couch talking about the World Cup. Um, so we would love to hear from you. Set a scene. What was it like? What were the highs and lows? You had an emotional journey. Yeah. Wow. Um, and we would just put us there. Put us in this whole, all the viewers at the World Cup with you. <laughs> to go back there. Um, I have to say, I'm the first one back because we, we did get knocked out um, early. But, um, you know, going into it, something I've been waiting for for four years, three years since we found out that New Zealand would be one of the, the hosts. And... I've been waiting 16 years to win a game at a World Cup. Wow. And, you know, I think about this when I, and we don't have to go too too far into this, but when I see kind of the negative comments about teams like the U.S. and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, what they've achieved and, and people are negative about that. Like, oh, my <laughs> gosh, you know, it's a lot of opinions. But, um, you know, we had this buildup from last year. A lot of camps in New Zealand could see that, People were getting excited about it, but I still, I wasn't sure if, if the games would be sold out, if we could ever break the attendance records. You know, having 12,000 people when we played the U.S. in January is very different than hoping for 40 plus thousand yeah. for a World Cup. And you're seeing these records, the sales going on in Australia and just like, I don't know what this is going to be like. And in the team, and, and I was feeling a lot of pressure just to get this win to kind of felt like a a moment, a pivotal moment where we had to kind of save the program. And I'm, I'm not saying it's as dire as that, but it really felt like this is this time where you see the sport growing so much globally. And we've really seen that in this World Cup with teams mm -hmm. getting their first wins. And these are teams, it's their first World Cup and getting their first win, you know, it's, it's our fifth. And so it's like, it feels like the pool, the teams, it's all like the gaps getting smaller, but are we, really gonna be left behind here. Yeah. And this is a once in a lifetime chance yeah. to have a home World Cup. We have to get this win. And then you know you have we have our psychologists and and we have our, our mentors and we're saying like we can't have that pressure. Like we don't have to win, but we have to play in a way that shows who we are and our identity and you know we're telling ourselves like if little girls see us play with heart and grit and and purpose, you know, and we talk about what's important to us and how we want to honor the players that came before us and inspire the next generations. If we are motivated by that, mm. then, then we can win. And if we don't, like we can still make this really big impact. You don't want to dare like put everything yeah. into winning. Like, yeah. um, and again, I know other teams, other environments, other cultures are different, but for us, like it was so much about purpose and connection and the team and, and doing something bigger than ourselves. Mm. 
So when we, okay, not a lot of people know this. I don't know if anyone outside the Ooh. team knows this. Ooh, but can't wait. <laughs> we were so late to the game. What? The first game. The first game. So there was such bad traffic. And Did in, people not know it was the World Cup? They were all going. <laughs> yeah. Like your team coordinator? Well, so there, <laughs> there was no police escorts. And I, I guess there weren't police escorts in New Zealand. And there was a route when I'm assuming someone was like checking Google Maps and it said <laughs> You guys maybe, were on ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're in Ubers. No. So we we I think what the map said was like the appropriate amount of time, but FIFA directed, this is what I've heard, directed the bus to go a particular way or route in order to enter the stadium a certain uh -huh. way. And that doubled the time. Oh my gosh. So we have our physios taping ankles on the bus. Oh my God. There's so much traffic. And so the bus driver is gassing, braking, gassing, braking. Like, <laughs> no. we're like car sick. Like, and then <laughs> someone starts thinking of Pitch Perfect. And you know, when they're on that road trip and then they're like, start singing. <laughs> Do you know? No. <laughs> okay, well, I'll send you the scene. Anyways, so someone's like, Zoom, 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 oh, zoom, yeah. zoom, zoom, And so yeah, we start each singing. Like you can't, you could never even write this. So we're singing. Players are getting strapped on the bus. We get there. Yeah, you you would have been. You would have gone out and run or like. You would have protested and been like. I would have been in a deep. I would have been in a deep meditation pretending that I wasn't on the bus. Yeah, you wouldn't have been zoom zoom zooming. No, I wouldn't have been doing acapella. It was just this crazy moment. And you wanted me to set the scene. So oh my god, you're like, setting like, the scene. I'm here. I'm like so upset. <laughs> and and I mean, it is just red lights. All you see is just tail lights, red lights. I and mean, we can see the stadium. We're getting closer and closer. And so then the funniest part was we were saying like we're like we need a police escort. And so we finally get to a red light, and then you hear like woo 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 woo, and we're like, oh my god, the police escort. And so then it was just like. <laughs> it reminded me of that like song on like TikTok and stuff where it's like da 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 and then fades out. Like, no, and so then we make this left hand turn, just completely stop. Just yeah, it was like a parking lot. Oh my lot. gosh! So we finally get there and we pull in. and We see that Norway is in the same boat, so that was at least a little bit like okay, well we're both in this situation. Yeah. They're not like out warming up. Um, but and, you should have been. Oh like, yeah, at that yeah, point you should have right. been. Okay, so we get in there, 13 minutes to warm up. No. And I have to do like mobs on my hips. Yeah. And I have to get cups on my calves and like put atomic bomb over my whole body. <laughs> um, and get ready for usually more. Usually, I like to go to the, go to the restroom. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I had like oh my, my hair down. No, I like, couldn't nothing. play. I couldn't play. So, <laughs> no. So I'm. That's a hazard. I'm on the the <laughs> table. Yeah. Like getting like getting my calves done. Yeah. Three minutes. Hair down. I'm not even in our training or warm up kit. So everyone's like... So this is what it takes to win a first World yes. Cup game. Yes, so this one, we should have done this again the next few games, obviously. <laughs> um, so no, we get out there and everyone just was like locked in. Like no huh. one complained. No one, they did have to wait for me because I did have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> so everyone was like there waiting to go out and they're like, let her go to the bathroom. <laughs> I love this. So then we run out and everyone is cheering <laughs> oh, and nice. people were giving out poise and so they're swinging the poise and, oh. and, and it was completely packed. Yeah, what that? is poise? So a poise is traditionally oh, poi? it's filled with, um, it's like made with flax and it has, um, it's what women, it's a tra traditional Maori art form, something that is very, very cultural. Um, but a lot of those things have been lost, of course. So people know the haka. But poi and the art of poi is, you know, 
deeply ingrained in Māori culture. And as one of the kind of campaigns for this World Cup in New Zealand was FIFA paid local businesses to make the poi. And they wow. weren't traditional ones made out of flax. They were like um, plastic and that had like pillow stuffing in them. Uh -huh. But every single one has a braid, like a long braid. And someone has hand done that and like put their love and like their spirit into that and then they distributed them so i think they distributed That's a couple awesome. thousand so cool. so cool around the stadiums and and so you know there's very beautiful amazing moves yeah. that you do with them but of course just you know swinging them <laughs> awesome. is really cool so you know they had a whole thing and people are swinging their poi um and it was just packed wow. it was packed and it was wow. supposed to be bad weather it was beautiful it was clear um yeah, and then we just played. We were so organized. We were so confident yeah, yeah. in the first minute. Yes. We were just so you confident. so brave. You did so not brave. play like you had the pressure right. of your country. You played so inspired. Or a 10-minute warm-up. Or a 10-minute yeah. warm-up. <laughs> like, like, the visual I have is, like, you, like, as a backline, stepping in and winning balls and, like, sprinting forward and people, oh, like, running with the ball. And we were, you know, first... First game that we watched we were so up in the night, it. we were so like yeah. energetic, and we could just we're like, massive Valley Riley fans. Too. Feel, yeah. feel the joy of that match, yeah. and to think it came, and those it was so well done. Yes. No, I, I like, haven't even talked about this. Yeah. I think I've told my parents. I know I told Lucas, but like we, it was body. so like, and it was right at the beginning, and so then you know all these other things happened, but that was well. One I, thing is, you were definitely more prepared for that debacle than Norway. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah right, it. right. And they, they <laughs> didn't come right. out as early. Yeah. I think they they gave the players a little more time to kind of get together, which yeah. I understand. But that meant their warm up was Even was shorter. shorter. Yeah. Um, Nobody but, talks about that stuff. It's it's so refreshing to hear just like a realistic version of what a World Cup's oh, like. Uh, yeah. Because we just see like. You know, the it movie version. Like it, it looks like a movie. You yeah. Know? It totally did. Yeah. It was it was wild. And and honestly, the, the game was was a movie for, yeah. for you all. It was so beautiful to watch. I mean, that's the that's what makes hosting a World Cup so special, right? Yes, yes. And you know, I think of course we didn't win another game after that. We had four points, we couldn't get out of the group, but the impact that that game had and having the prime minister and yeah. the former prime minister, you know, Jacinda, who I've followed and been a fan of for so long and to have them come into the locker room and, you know, where someone just had a water bottle and was like spraying them with the, oh with the water bottle. I was kind of like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but they were just all smiles and Jacinda's crying and just, wow. and what she said after that game, which I think helped me a lot was, you've, you've done it. You have changed, oh my God, I'm going to be emotional. I always do. You know I always do. You've, cha you've changed the country and you've changed the world. And now, and now nothing else matters. Go out and enjoy the rest of this tournament because wow. you have done it. And just to have that kind of obviously joy, but relief, of course. Yeah. I mean, for some of us players who've been, you know, 16 years trying to have this and to have it happen at home. And also just the other, the former ferns who were there. And I mean, we're talking, you know, from so many years ago to just four years ago to a year ago players who didn't yeah. make the team. Um, they're crying. They felt it. Mm -hmm. And to have my former teammates say, that was my favorite football ferns game, my favorite New Zealand national team game when they weren't even on the field. Like, yeah. that was what we wanted for yeah. them to feel like we were playing with them yeah. and for them. And yeah, I think just... The messages we got um, 
from from all over the country, all over the world. It did feel like we we did what we had set out to do, and that was that was one of our three goals. You know, yeah. to inspire the nation, to win our first game, and to get out of the group. So I think we didn't <laughs> do all of them, but yeah. Wow, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's fantastic, and I believe that you have this will. You have like such a strong will in you. Like <laughs> I really think you could will anything to happen. <laughs> I, I, it makes me like honestly. I felt the same way in Angel City's home opener. It's like the will of Allie Riley to make something happen, yeah. and it is. It comes with somebody that does take a lot of pressure. Take us back to we just heard what it was like, twenty twenty three. Like, where is what was it like in the beginning, and how much has it grown? Oh my gosh! I think you know we were just happy to be there, kind of, and I think that was the first World Cup where there was you, prize money. Two thousand seven. Wow. But I, I'm we'll not sure if, that. if we got any since, you know, of course, we didn't, didn't get out of the group. Um, but there was no idea that, you know, you would get any financial benefit from yeah. any of this. Yeah. Um, players were not playing professionally. So this was, you know, you worked really hard to, to get to this tournament. And I was in college. Um, we did have a couple of professional players in Europe, but otherwise players were just in camps in New Zealand. And there was a yeah. lot of reflection about that actually this time around. And then you go play this tournament and then you kind of retire <laughs> or you're back in camps in New Zealand and mm -hmm. hoping to make the Olympic team mm -hmm. in 2008. And then again, after that, maybe you get some interest where you can go to a club, mm -hmm. leave everything, every everyone you know in New Zealand to go somewhere or you retire, which players did, um, or you go on studying and just going to camp in New Zealand. Yeah. And you know, it's not a professional league, this is just you kind of play recreationally and hope to be doing well enough that you get chosen for the next time around. Yeah. And so now I think one of the biggest differences, we can talk a lot about prize money and and fans and attendance and viewership. But you know, in, in China, there were a lot of people. We, we played China and there were 60,000 yeah. plus people there. So that's, that was more than mm -hmm. in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. um, of course, it's very different when they're cheering for the other team. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's the same, yeah. I played the US in front of many people. They're, they're not cheering for my <laughs> team. Um, but I think what players, what our lives look like year round now mm -hmm. is so different and I'm so, happy for that and we do have a long way to go yeah. in terms of the conditions especially globally but i i think that with with some of these teams getting their first wins seeing the progress of colombia of jamaica even even new zealand i think it'll it will change it even more yes. i think having fif pro just you know this global union helping players hearing our voices pushing for change able to have those communications with FIFA to say, look, you know, things need to be better. We need to increase prize money. Yep. But for players now to be earning money in their professional careers and going to a World Cup, of course, there's nothing like representing your country and, and playing yeah. a World Cup, but it doesn't end there. Yeah. You then can go to your team and, and continue your life. You can it's be, a full career. You can be yeah. a footballer. Yep. And that's what we've seen in men's sports and men's soccer for so long. And compared to 2007, I would say most of the countries in, in this World Cup, yeah, it's very different than, than we would have seen. Of course, you know, Germany and, and Sweden, I think Italy have had leagues for a long time, but yeah. the rest of us, definitely not. Yeah. So it... 
that really struck me. And you can see with the quality, you can see with the confidence. And then, of course, there's the sponsorship and the, the financial part of it. But just, yeah, knowing that when you go home from a tournament like that, like, life is able to yeah. continue. You can keep doing what you love. All right, so now we get to take a break, relax a little bit, and there's no better way to do it than with our friends at UFOS. So we're gonna take some of our community questions. You ready, Kristen? Yep. Michelle from Georgia asks, who is more competitive? Between us. Um, I think it's implied. <laughs> okay, well that would be a one Tobin Heath. But we do, we do compete a lot and what generally happens is when I very frequently win, <laughs> I over-celebrate yes. and you say I'm obnoxious. I say you're a really bad winner, yeah. but a really good loser. But I'm a gracious loser. Yeah. And when I do lose, I tell you congratulations. And I'm the, the, opposite. the opposite. I think yeah. I'm a good winner and a yeah. horrible loser. Yep, that's yeah, about that's right. That's Tobin. It's not me. <laughs> Okay, Kristen a good time. from Los Angeles asks, what's your go-to movie? Ooh, mood movie. Um, could be Sex and the City movie. I was movie. just going to say Sex and the City. Um, that's when I just need, like, you know, a little bit of, like, you know that... Carrie Bradshaw? Yeah, a little bit of, like, <laughs> glamorous, like, pretend that I'm going to get, like, married in those, like, fabulous fairy wing dresses. Oh, yeah, yeah, can you do the, your favorite scene? Well, no, I can't. Come on. <laughs> no, this isn't acting. Oh. Thank you so much to our wonderful community of reimaginers. Um, if you want to ask a question to Tobin and I on the show, you can join our Reink membership. And if you get your question on the show, we're going to send you a pair of UFOs. Uh, so keep those questions coming. Over the course of the last decade, like I can't even believe how much change mm -hmm. that we've been able to see. And I feel like there's a, a special bond with our generation of players, yeah. like globally, yeah. because we've all been a part of this fight and like how cool is it to have kind of a global fight yeah. where we like play against each other but we're all in this together yep. um and i when i think of your career in particular like i've i see you as like in the trenches like you're not always the first one where you know the the u.s women's national team gets credited with so much of the fight and all like the stardom of that but you're you've played internationally, you've played in the United States, you're always in the conversation, you're pushing the game forward like with every action, you're leading your team, you're captaining, you're dealing with like fighting with your club, fighting with your federation just to like get by. And I- All while flying economy. <laughs> flying economy across the globe. <laughs> and, I, and my question is for you is because like I perceive that from you, like you do it with a smile. And yeah. so the many Ali of us, smile. yeah, and so, and so it sometimes you get just frustrated and jade, like we're all like jaded in a way, like the fight is hard, but my question is like, you care so much. You care so much about every single time. Honestly, every single time Angel City wins, you cry. Every yeah. single time New Zealand <laughs> wins, you cry. I'm like, the girl has got a lot of tears. She cares so much. I'm hydrated. <laughs> You're hydrated. But it's like, you put so much passion into everything you do. So like, how do you fight the good fight for so long yeah. with a smile on your face? I think you touched on something that would actually have been my second thing I would have said about what's changed. And it feels like a collective. Mm. And you mentioned the US women's national team, players like yourselves, I never feel like I'm going at it alone. Mm. And you know, after games, of course, I'm, I'm 
a Scorpio, like I'm, an, I'm emotional, <laughs> um, and I'm nearing the end of my career, so everything just, you know, feels, feels too yeah, much. and I'm, I, I feel just so lucky um, to still be playing, having seen the growth of the game and still be a part of it. You know, I have so many friends and, and former teammates that have not been able to enjoy where the game is now, mm -hmm. and especially at a club like Angel City, I, I feel so lucky, um, and I think with with FIFA Pro, with social media, you know, it can be a very, very dark place, but it also has connected all of us, or media yeah. in general. And so... Shout out to social media for good. Yes. Okay, there we go. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so true. <laughs> and I think for us women, you say it feels like this global fight. And I, you know, I, I just love everybody and I'm like such a hype woman, <laughs> so it's hard. When I'm playing, I'm locked in. I just want my team to win. But, you know, I'm watching other games and I hear these stories and these narratives and girls, you know, these women getting their first first goal, the first win. You know, I, I want to root everyone on because it, does, it feels like we're yeah. all in it together, yeah. kind of fighting, fighting something or someone yeah. else. Yeah. yeah, It is a collective. And yeah. so almost every one of those wins is a win for us mm -hmm. because we are part of this. Mm -hmm. And it's the same, you know, when I see the investment that – the U.S. team put in, you know, they're also in Auckland and seeing obviously the huge disparity in terms of what their preparation could look like and what their training facility could look like, their hotel set up, everything. But I'm like, good for them. Yeah. This is amazing. Yeah. You know? and, and I think when I'm very outspoken about these things, of course, there there's probably, I think we've kind of gone over over the hump now, but there is a time where it's like there's jealousy, there's thinking mm -hmm. like, oh, well. Scarcity, right? Yes. That's what it is. And it is when you're kind of put against men's sports and yeah. you're fighting for a very small pie, then, you know, there can be tension there. But I think the way I approach it, and I think more and more players are seeing this, is like, yes, good for them. Mm -hmm. Let's also, you know, fight for that. That is the standard. Yeah. Um, and seeing investment going into other leagues and I think what Angel City has done well is we've had this investment, we have this brand, and we're not saying like, you know, look at us, we want to be the only one, we want to be, you know, this special one. It's like, no, other other clubs do this too, mm -hmm. other yeah. leagues Follow do this the model. too. Yeah. Lift everybody up. And so I think, yeah, for me, I, I never feel alone. And especially when I think about other players, what they're going through. You know, I grew up in Pacific Palisades. <laughs> I went to Stanford. I didn't have a full ride. My parents were able to support me mm -hmm. to go to that college. That, you know, kickstarted a lot for me. I have dual citizenship, could play for this national team that's given me so much. I've had so much privilege. Mm -hmm. I'm white passing. I'm straight. Like, I have so much pri privilege in my life. And so, why not smile? Like I, I have so much to smile about mm. and I have so much energy and <laughs> I can fight these things and say these things and do these things. I'm protected, especially now having the backing of a club like mm -hmm. Angel City that shares my values. I have a platform. And so I don't know, it just, it honestly feels like it gives me this like boundless, limitless energy. And I am just genuinely happy. So it really shows. I, it's so yeah. inspiring. It really shows and it's really inspiring. I mean, both of us get to be around it and it's infectious. I think you lift up all your teams that you're on to a whole nother level. You Thank lifted you. up your whole country during the World <laughs> Cup. It was it was really, really special. But 
for this show in general, we, we shared a bit about what it means creating these new structures, using your platform for, for this progress, this equity that we're trying to put in the world. What does that look like? What's that next fight? What's that next step in this process? Oh my gosh, I feel like if we knew it would be, it would be easier. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think we can change anything if we go at it, go at it alone. Mm -hmm. But I do think if we come together to demand change, it's very hard to be ignored. And so I hope that if we talk kind of near future, that we can use the resources we have to kind of do a, a debrief and connect on what our experiences were and what we need so that the next World Cup is even better. What do we need to see in the next four years? And we still haven't had an official kind of commitment to equal prize money yep. for 2027. That's something that we absolutely need mm -hmm. to see yep. because the change, Period. the information around, the positive reaction to information around us getting to, I think it's still only about 25%, mm -hmm. but there was a lot of media attention on that. And I mm -hmm. think you could see this is the most attended and watched World Cup. Yep. The quality is there. I think the players are really doing doing everything we can do. Yeah, yeah. But it's and like, more. yes, yeah. how can we come together now from all over the world to demand change so that it's even better? Prize money is one part of it. But I think if we're empowered to go back to our clubs, to our federations, there there are some clear messages that my team wants to give back to our federation around yes. not just our World Cup experience, but the last four years. Yeah. And then this is now what we need to see for the next four years. Yeah. And part of that is very scary, but I think now we are at a place where we should feel empowered because even if players don't feel necessarily supported by their federation, there are now unions and the global union, and I do think we're connected enough in a way. And you know, players like yourselves, former players who have even bigger platforms, mm -hmm. and you know, like I say, it's to advocate for someone else, like a community that you're not a part of, can actually sometimes be even more powerful. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. I'm willing to go up to bat for the Jamaican team or the Nigerian yes. team. Yeah. We're looking at what they're going through right now. Yeah. And especially coming to the end of my career, it's like, I don't have that much to lose. Mm -hmm. And I have a platform. I have friends like you that have even bigger <laughs> platforms. And it's like, no, we're going to fight together. So yeah. kind of back more specifically what you're asking, I think that will be asking the players, what do you need? Mm -hmm. What do we need? Mm -hmm. And then let's get together and demand it. Yep. I think what I've noticed is that like in the trend of global football um, as women's soccer has developed, like it, to some degree, the highest profile, best resource teams have made the most progress. That's both at a club level mm -hmm. and at an international level. Obviously the US Women's National Team won equal pay, but you look at what the Euros did for all of the top mm -hmm. English clubs. And so what I'm, I think is happening, and I'm not sure, but this is my theory, mm. is like there's a little bit of a separation between the top international and club teams and like everybody else. Mm -hmm. And um, the hope is that, you know, you set precedent with the fight, the players that have the most power have the most opportunity to create change, um, but you've got to have that rising tide. Yes. And that's what I feel like you're speaking yeah, a lot about. Exactly. And this World Cup was so impactful mm -hmm. because you actually saw some of the teams that yeah. didn't get more investment, that aren't prepared properly. Right. I know, having I know. success. And mm -hmm. so I'm very curious to see if off the back of this World Cup, 
yeah. other players have opportunities to play in top professional yeah. clubs or if there's more professional environments that can welcome players from other countries that don't have established leagues I think that would create a lot of change um, and I think when I look at like kind of the fight that you've fought what I'm curious about is like tell if, there, if you're willing to share about a time where like you felt like you had to risk a lot for a change because I think mm. there's always the balance of as players, when we're like fighting this good fight where we're like, you know, retaliation, that's yeah. real yeah. or like yeah. I'm putting myself in jeopardy. And um, I, I think that that's like the part that, you know, we get lifted up for doing it um, when it works out. Yeah. But the, the messy middle that nobody sees is when you're making a decision. Yeah. If you say something, knowing that you're going to be the squeaky wheel. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I think and this is probably going to be remind a lot of people of what happened in this league and what's happened to you. But we had an, an abusive coach in New Zealand and it's, you know, I haven't spoken about it a lot at all. It was um, hands down the darkest time in my whole career. Mm. And, you know, I, I was just, yeah, emotionally abused, physically abused in a way that I wasn't allowed to get treatment for an injury. Wow. Um, I wasn't allowed to speak to certain staff of the national team. Um, and yeah, I was threatened to get my captaincy taken away and to be kicked off the team for things that, you know, I was not doing and, and had nothing to do with. And, and this coach was, yeah, just really. Like a situation of gaslighting? Yeah, gaslighting and, and just um, another Abuse player. Another player and I were accused of doing all of these things and then kind of made as an example yeah. and said, you know, if you don't fall into line or do what I say now, I'm, I'm going to kick you off the team. And um, yeah, and both of us were, we had that moment. And it's, it's hard to share this because it's hard to be vulnerable. And it feels weak that I had this moment of, of saying, I'll leave the national team so that, you know, some of the players do like this guy and, mm. you know, maybe I am the problem. And so I'll just quit. Like I've had, I've had a good wow. career. Like I'll just quit. I'll just leave. And it took my friend, Sarah Gregorius, who is now doing big things at FIFA Pro. Nice. Um, she was already on the board of our players association. And I mean, she could see that something was wrong. I hadn't, I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. Um, and I was like green and <laughs> wasting away. And she saw me at breakfast the night, the morning we were leaving New Zealand and just said, are you okay? And I just completely broke down and I was just saying like, it's fine, like I'm gonna leave the team, like I'm gonna leave the team. And she was like, what are you talking about? You have to tell me what happened. And she and Hannah Wilkinson, who I flew home with, um, she was playing in Tennessee. I told them everything that happened and they were like, this is, this is abuse. Like yeah. this is, you haven't done anything wrong. We have to tell someone. And so, and it wasn't just me, there were other wow. players, but it just took this kind of someone who had an understanding of what the collective can do and kind of just what the process can look like so that, you know, and, and there were, I think, 13 letters that were written to the Federation. There were 11 players who essentially went out, put their name to this, and I think it was two staff saying like, yeah, this is what has happened and we will leave the team if, if there is an action taken and it was so scary. And you know, you're like, I don't want my friends to yeah. also risk their careers for this. But everyone said, no, there is absolutely no way we can continue. Think about the little girls. Mm. You know, if we allow this to continue, think about the next 
you know, and, and the current teammates too. The next time it'll be somebody else. And so, yeah, we, there was an investigation and he was out, members of the board, our CEO, like they did a whole, oh, wow. yeah, so there, there was kind of, I'm not going to say a happy ending, but I was able, I was lucky that yeah. I saw positive change come from this because I know when it comes to accusing people and, and experience, you don't always get the outcome that you're looking for. And I got that positive reinforcement in that moment. And I was like, I will never, ever yeah. like pause or question wow. fighting for what is right ever again. Like wow. my teammates stood up for me. They backed me. We did this together. I will now lead that charge for whatever team I'm on. So, wow. Wherever I am, I will do that. So yeah, and, and I know that kind of stuff is, is still going on in a lot of places, but that that memory and, and what happened. And I, I hate that it took something happening to me to kind of kick my ass into gear. But yeah. now that it did, I will always, always, always protect the people around me. I mean, that's an incredible story. Thanks for sharing. Um, I feel like there's those kind of like pivotal moments in all of our careers. Did you know it feels... all about this? No. No, neither did I. I had no idea. Yeah, a lot of stuff in the kind of reporting. I don't think I signed an NDA. If I did, uh, it's too late now. No, no, it was um, <laughs> um, a lot of it. I think, of course, was left up to us a little bit, like how much we would want to talk about what happened to of us course, personally. Yeah. Um, and then there was a little bit of a misunderstanding, I think, because the coach had also done things with like how we were playing. We were losing games, and he said some stuff in the media, so people thought that he stepped down or was asked to leave because of, course, of that. Yeah, of course. And then we didn't feel like in the headspace to be like, yeah. actually, correct yeah. all I was narrative. emotionally abused. Yeah. That, that's yeah. why. Um, but I think one day, and of course I need to talk to, to my teammate that went through it with me, and I think we're on the same page. Like we do want to tell our story yeah. um, at some point, but I've kind of now just the last couple of years more just like alluded to it. And yeah. I, I know, you know, what, what – with what went on in the league here. Um, yeah. There, you get it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sorry that happened to you. And I also, like, it resonates so much with, like, experiences that we've had that other players have had. It's, like, a shared experience yeah. by so many women's soccer players that it's just, like, so unnecessary and unfair. And, like, you don't ever have to go through that to, like, to, like, learn how to be strong or learn how to take care of people. And, uh, but I feel like similar that what you said, like I learned the lesson when I felt like I didn't have the power to create change in an environment. And I like looked at the older players that were in that environment. And I was like, when I am then, when I am them, I will fight. Wow. And it's like, kind of like, I am wow. proud of it, but it's also like kind of like complicated and messy. Yeah, it like, really I is. Didn't, I, like as a rookie, as a professional rookie, like I didn't have to go through that. Like, I shouldn't have had to, right. you know? But then it's like, I went through it, and then, like, I feel like it's helped me lead. So it's, like, such a complicated... Yes, it really is. It really situation. is. <laughs> yes. It's so complicated, and it's, like, so nuanced, because, like, you can't, like, blame people, like, if you didn't feel, like, protected, you know, because it's so yeah, complicated. because I don't know what they're going through, yeah. Yeah, and, and what is the shame and responsibility that we have, like, to protect our team? Like, oh, I don't want to mess up the apple cart that's the soccer know, and the like there's something there that we all have to kind of go through this shedding of in order to not yeah. feel like that right because yeah. we're being 
And I would say still to this day for people who are fighting, like we always have this idea that we have to be fighting for somebody else. Mm. It's like, you know, and I feel the same. Mm. It's like for the next generation and like mm. so much of motivation when like, you know, I've stood up for myself in the past. I was thinking like, you know, if I like kind of what you said, if I'm not there, then the next player slides in and then they're taking the abuse. So I'm like, okay, I can do it for them. But I think what I've learned like, is that I need to do it for me too. Yeah. Mm. You know, that like I don't deserve to be in an unhealthy like environment. And yeah. I, yeah, and I think that we still even now have the stigma of people like that we, as women, we shouldn't even be standing up for ourselves. It has to be for the girls, for the next generation, yeah. for the teammates. And it's like, no, we are all valuable mm-hmm. ourselves. We're, none of us are deserving of being in an abusive environment. And like, this is wild out that like, We've been, we were literally sitting here in the same conversation talking about how amazing the progress has been yeah, in our yeah, generation yeah. and also have been dragged through the mud for a decade. <laughs> but thank God for the amazing pieces. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's part of the gal culture though and yeah. like the ke- togetherness of all this is like what's happening to Kristen is happening to me. What's happening to mm-hmm. Ali is happening to me. And having that understanding that we're all in this together, that we're all fighting this together and we're all part of a collective is truly power- powerful and and honestly inspirational and it's happening world worldwide yes you know yes and i'm just i'm go thankful us. for it yes. go us go <laughs> us fight the good fight go us we do the soccer the sports and and fight the oh, good something fight. something yeah. do you have a final question uh, yeah um let's travel back a little bit um are we going back to new zealand are we going back in time no let's go back to uh, (laughs) a lot of stories there (laughs) oh my gosh i told them they couldn't ask i know i literally said said, i won't come back kristen said um why don't we ask ali a story about tobin i was like you mean about you (laughs) i told them I told everyone here that if Tobin asked for a story from college, I would not come back on the show. So that I would. Is I can, I can do this. We can, can switch this. seats. It's, this is the time in the show that we switch well, seats. Well, my seat's going to be outside. And we get rid of Kristen. And then I got photos too. About Kristen I know. in college. Oh, Lordy. Part two, Kristen and Allie in college. Okay, where is your final question actually going? That was my final question. Okay, actually, no, I would like to know. So we have four teams left in the World Cup. I don't know if you're keeping up with it now. Oh, I'm trying. You're trying. trying. It's different here. Um, (laughs) It is. It's really not for the week at heart. You have to be a true fan of the World Cup. I don't know if you're ready for it. Um, But we have these four teams. And um, do you need me to tell you which ones they are? Okay, good. Um, Are are you rooting for any in particular? You have a lot of ties to Sweden, but that doesn't necessarily mean you root for them. Um, But do you have maybe any prediction or any um, team that you would like to win? Prediction? I'm not so sure. Mm. But... Our co-hosts, of course, have oh, had. Oh, you're rooting for wow. the co-hosts. They have had this incredible run, and I can't help but feel like, you know, a little bit associated by region. You know, I think, <laughs> yes. I, and I do think that the the more the game is growing there, of course, we have one potentially a second team that will be based in New Zealand, but part of the A League. Oh, that's and this fantastic! Is how you grow, yeah. the game. You have to have a domestic league, a professional wow. league. That's amazing. So, you know, we have the Wellington Phoenix just had their second season going into the third, potentially an Auckland team coming in. And I think it could change everything. And yep. so 
you know, That's the more awesome. it's growing in Australia, and and I have a lot of ties with those with those players too. But I I do have to say that being didn't mention my third citizenship, of course, is is Sweden, <laughs> and having very close ties there, I was asked to do an interview in Swedish, and of course, you know, American, Swedish, know a lot of the U.S. players, but I'm looking at this Swedish starting lineup, and I played with seven of them, yeah, and and I know them, and they're and so that game I I don't want to talk about, <laughs> but now. I just and and being in the Swedish league and yeah. it is such a good league, but it it could use a boost. <laughs> it really could. Yeah. And and those women are so humble mm-hmm. and so kind and so talented. And I I know that those women too, with the platform that they will have, whether they win win the yep. title or not, they will use it to do good. I agree. And. Love that. Uh, and you know when they knocked out the U.S., it's a little bit like, okay, go, oh. t- take it all the way. You know? But <laughs> after that, it's like, what's left? A yeah. World Cup. Yeah. Um, do you have a message in Swedish for them? Oh, now you're you're this. <laughs> okay, okay. Yes, you önskar lika till. Jag hoppas att ni tar hem guldet. As you all know by now, I like to end the show with looking forward to a particular matchup. We have the semifinals, so I think I'm going to do two this time. For Sweden-Spain, I have that match finishing 2-2 with Sweden winning on penalty kicks. For England-Australia, I have Australia winning 2-0. We'll see if I'm right on the next episode. And as always, please rate, review, and subscribe. The Recap Show is a re-ink original series produced in partnership with HeadGum Studios. If you believe in what we're building and love this show, the most important thing you can do is follow or subscribe. Hit the plus sign on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a review and share the show with a friend. We are so grateful. The Recap Show is executive produced by Tobin Heath, Kristen Press, Shane Romani, and Jamie Friedman. For HeadGum Studios, The Recap Show is brought to life by supervising producer Katie Moose, showrunner Billy Scafuri, creative producer Tara Aquino, associate producer Ali Khan, director of photography Nate Cornett, video engineer and editor Rochelle Chen, production sound mixer Rich Gavin, assistant editor Neil Davis, motion graphics Eddie Ramos, production designer Elaine Carey, production assistants Lauren Stremmel, Jasmine Wasserman and Olivia Reiner, hair, Ramon Garcia, stylist, Sarah Borgesi, makeup, Stephen Molesky. The first season of The Recap Show wouldn't be possible without the support of our incredible sponsors, including UFOS, Ally, UKG, and Superbird. Thank you.